Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Wednesday night, but I have to say it today. On Wednesday afternoon, we baptized Joel and Olivia Vicknair in the name of Jesus right over here in this baptistry. That's huge. And I'm just asking the question, who's next? If you've never been baptized in water in Jesus' name, you're next. It should be you. Here is water. What doth hinder us is the scripture, right? And so I would advise you, admonish you. If you're watching online, if you've never been water baptized in Jesus' name, we have essential oils in that water that fights coronavirus. I promise you'll be okay. Psalm 57, 1 through 10. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up, Selah, which means pause and consider this. He would swallow He would reproach those who would swallow me up. Hmm. That's a hmm in the Hebrew. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory Be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps, a trap. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me, a trap. Into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. Selah. Hmm. My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast it's fixed i'm not going anywhere as a matter of fact i will sing and give praise awake my glory awake les paul and stratocaster i will awaken the dawn i'm gonna turn it up loud and i'm turning on some distortion i will praise you O lord among the peoples i will sing to you among the nations for your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. I want to tell you something. His mercy is always more far-reaching than anything else. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be above all the earth. Today I'd like to preach a message. It's just entitled this, Don't Cave in the Cave. Don't cave in the cave. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy and your word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Let my tongue be that of a ready writer, as the psalmist said. Father, speak to us today, and we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Say, don't cave in the cave. Come on, say it again. Don't cave in the cave. In our reading, Saul was a, 
a madman. He was on the prowl, tracking David, hunting him down. He wanted to kill him. And, and we know it was not just Saul who was after David, but it was the devil himself. There was an evil spirit that messed with David. And so the idea is this. David rose from obscurity. David was anointed to be the next king. David then killed Goliath. And it became very clear in the heavens and on the earth that in some way this boy, David, this shepherd who would be the king, was connected to the promised Messiah. And so what we have here is another example of Satan trying to wipe out the seed of the woman that had been prophesied many years before. And so the devil got down into the minds and the attitudes of people that were around David. I want you to think about this. Often we think of spiritual warfare as just fasting and praying, which is involved, and seeking the Lord and rebuking the devil, and, and we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But often spiritual warfare is, yes, that, but it's manifested like this. The devil messing with people's thinking and attitudes and they're coming against you to stop you short of the destiny that God's put on your life. And so that's what was happening. The devil got into the minds. I want you to let that sink in. The devil got into the thinking and into the attitudes of those that are, were around David. Of course, the devil got into the Philistines thinking. They were uncovenanted. That was low-hanging fruit. So, so he got into their thinking to wipe out David. But then also King Saul, who was of the tribe of Benjamin, who was a brother, in a sense, to David. King Saul, who was God's man at one time, but he got selfish and carnal and jealousy. And because of that, the devil exploited his flesh. And the devil got into a Hebrew's thinking to mess with David, who was God's chosen man. And he even got into David's own family's thought processes and attitudes. We'll talk about that in a moment. And I would say as well into his peers and some of his friends. He said as much in many of the Psalms. I just want to say this. When you sign up and line up with God's plans and purposes for your life, I've said it before, I'll say it again, everybody's not going to be happy. They're not going to be applauding you. They're not going to say, you've got a great thing going. That's awesome. You go for it. But the devil's going to get in their minds and in their attitudes. And, of course, there are some clearly defined enemies of God who are going to work against you, like the Philistines did to David. But sometimes people that you look up to and respect will work against you. People you leaned on will work against you. Those in your family can work against you. And even your peers and your friends can work against you. Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? We know your business. We know all the junk in your life. And you're claiming that God said for you to do this. Or you're claiming that, you know. And so they just, they just start pushing back against the revelation that God's given to you. And the call that God's got on your life. It's kind of like, I got a picture we're in Louisiana. We're very familiar with this right here. But you get these. And old boy's like, 
I see light. I'm going to get out the bucket. And so there he goes. What do the other crabs do? No, you ain't. I'm going to pull you down. And it's really like that other crab's going to use you as a ladder, but in so doing, he's pulling you down. And so the crabs can't get out the bucket because they keep pulling each other down. And that's how it is sometimes. God gives you a word. God gives you a destiny. God's got a, his hand on you, and, and you begin to move into that. And some people are like, no, you're not going to get out of the mundane where we're all stuck. We're going to keep you down here. We know who you are. Who do you think you are? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so David found himself on the run, and he's a million miles from his dream. This is not what he signed up for. Sometimes your destiny will take you down a path that you didn't sign up for. I mean, look at Joseph, right? Joseph saw this, this amazing stuff, stars bowing down and sheaves of wheat bowing down. He did not see a pit. He did not see being sold into slavery and Potiphar's old stinking wife. And he didn't say, see the prison. He, he didn't see any of that stuff. But destiny has a way. Sometimes it's, it's this crazy path where, whereby you have to walk to get to your dream. David is a million miles from his dream. And he's in a cave. He's in a cave. Uh, caves fascinate me. He's, he's in a cave. But here's the message. Hey, David, don't cave in your cave. The dream is true. It, it's all real. Don't stop now. Don't cave in your cave. Now, I want to go back to something. Samuel came to Jesse's house looking for somebody to anoint to be the next king. The Lord had led him to that place, but not led him specifically to the right guy. He didn't know exactly who it would be, just somebody in Jesse's house. So he shows up to anoint the next king. And Samuel is so impressed with the sons of Jesse. And they are impressive. The first one is Eliab, and it means God is my father. So he's a powerful, regal demigod, a son of God, Eliab. God is my father. And then there was uh, Abinadab, a noble father. He has this air of nobility about him. And Samuel looks at the first one. He's like, wow, this guy, he's got to be the one. The next one comes in, this no noble fella, Abinadab, He's got to be the one. The next one is Shema, and it means astonishment. You know, this is what my mama thought when she looked at me. It was just stunning, right? <laughs> stunning, just astonishing. Oh, my goodness, surely this is the one. Then there was Nathaniel. It means given of God, given of God, a gift from God. I told you as a pastor, I'm a gift of God to you. But that's a different thing here. Nathaniel means given of God, perceived as a gift of God. Then there was uh, Radai. Radai. It means trampling or domineering. This is a powerful and persuasive young man. And, and he was impressive. Then there's Ozum. And it means I shall hasten them, meaning he's motivational. So you got these guys. And, and I mean, they are just awesome. There was another kid. We don't have his name. But he must have been just like amazing, beyond description, because we don't even have his name. And God, the word says, I have chosen none of these. The idea was this. I don't look on the outward appearance. I look on the heart. And so to everybody's surprise, including Samuel and, and Jesse, 
And all the boys, Samuel anoints David. You know, he had to ask Jesse, don't you have somebody else? Well, I mean, there's David. And that's the, it was just such a cut down. You know what? Well, I mean, David, he's, out, he's with the sheep. I, I, I didn't even invite him. I mean, it's David. David. Somebody go get David. So they go get David, bring him in, and, the, and the, the horn of oil starts quaking and shaking, and the Lord says, that's the man. He was the one that God chose for greatness, for this role in the prophetic tapestry of the Messiah. David had a future that was written in divine destiny. But in that cave of Adullam where he wrote that psalm, he is living in a cave when he wrote that psalm. It seemed all so far away. There was opposition. There was trouble. There was pressure. His family didn't understand. They were hating on him. And, and it was, they were trying to wear him down. Everything was trying to wear him out and to cave in the cave. And the, and the truth is, it was satanic opposition. It was the devil running interference trying to stop him from fulfilling the call of God on his life. And what, what, what he, when he should have been out in the open, he was underground. When he should have been in front of everybody doing what he was called to do, he was having to hide out in a cave. And the challenge was, in the meantime, don't cave in the cave. In the meantime, David, don't cave in the cave. And I've got to, I've come here, let me, let me just go ahead and drop this. I've come here on an assignment. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. On the way to fulfilling your calling, there, there may be friends that walk away. There may be family that walks away. People may turn their back on you, not understand what you're doing. Or even worse, they may come after you and stab you in the back and pursue you and try to harm you and work evil schemes behind your back and put you back on your heels. And you're wondering, is my dream still real? I'm telling you, it is real. It is real. Don't cave in the cave. Now is not the time to quit. You suck it up, baby, because God's going to come through in his own time. Give him praise right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Did I just say suck it up, baby? Is that what I just said? Hey, well, you know, I get to go on Valerie and things happen, you know. Don't cave in the cave. Hold your head up high. You're going to come out that cave. And when you do, your head will be just as high as it should have been in the cave. Just keep it high. God ain't done with me. It's dark. Doggone it, there's bats in here. When we went to Carlsbad Caverns many moons ago, took the children there. Alexander wasn't even born. We took that, that ride down to the bottom of those caves and we, we were preaching out that direction. We made this little detour and felt like we were on the planet Mars out there, you know, compared to Louisiana. Everything's brown and red and we, we dropped down in those caves and, and we're walking through and they're like, you see that mountain right there in the cave? That's bat guano. Anybody know what guano is? Well, the Hebrew means, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. 
And uh, they're like, that's bat guano. David's in a cave with bats, bat guano. It's dark. It's dank. It's, it's stinky. It, it's messy. He, he was anointed to be the king. And then he was hiding out in a cave in Adullam. I've seen those caves. We've seen those caves. Just, just up there, craggy, hard to get to. He was hiding in a cave. And the idea was, David, the dream is still alive. The anointing is still on you. Hey, the oil may have dried by now, but the anointing of the Spirit is still upon you. And there's still a work for you to do. And the Messiah will be called the Son of David. I'm not finished with you, son. And he's hiding out and he's like wondering, you just hold your head up because one day in my timing, you're going to come out of that place. I want to tell somebody right now, you come from a long line of people who temporarily have been in caves. David's one of them. I'll tell you another, Jesus Christ. He didn't buy a tomb. He borrowed a tomb because he only needed it three days. You come from a long line of tomb vacators. You're going to come out. You're going to come out of that cave. You're going to come out of that grave. You're going to come out of that dark place. You will walk into your destiny and you will fulfill it in the name of Jesus. Give him praise right now. Glory. Hallelujah. Think about this. Think about this. David did not seek out this calling. You know, he didn't say, Oh Lord, out there in the, we have no record at all of him saying, Oh Lord, please anoint me to be the next king. He didn't ask for this. And then when he did get anointed and everybody turned on him, he certainly didn't ask for that. And then when he saw Goliath out there, I mean, I'm going to preach about this soon. He said, is there not a cause? Uh, he stepped up to the plate where everybody else should have already stepped up to. They hadn't done it, so he just did what everybody was supposed to do. I'm going to tell you some people, when you start doing what everybody's supposed to do, people get mad. It's the crab. It's the crab mentality. When they should be doing it and you start doing it, it will make the carnal man mad. I don't care if he's a tongue talker. It'll make the carnal man mad. And David was doing what they were supposed to be doing, and they got mad. He didn't ask for that. He didn't ask for his daddy to forget him out there and not even consider him. He didn't ask for that. Samuel didn't know him. And, and, and when David walked in the room, that surprised look on Samuel's face, David didn't ask for that. Why, well, even the prophet is shocked. You know, I can just see, Samuel to me just strikes me as, you know, he's got this massive beard. He, he's got that headdress on. He's got hair hanging down. And big, I just see him with big bushy eyebrows and grizzled, you know what I'm saying? And, and I see his eyeballs like getting big. You see the whites of his eyes, you know, because you can't see much of his eyes. I see him with high cheekbones and, and his eyes get wide looking at David. And David had to be saying, my own dad forgets me. My brothers don't think I'm worthy. And even the prophet. He didn't ask for that. But David then has this oil poured all over him. 
All, all he had done was listen to his father, obey his father, tend his father's sheep, spend time in the words of the covenant, sing the praises of the one true and living God. He was out there defending those sheep from lions and bears. And then when, when his dad said, hey, David, uh, I want you to be my Domino's pizza delivery boy. I've got some bread and cheese for your brothers. They're out at war. They're warriors. I need you to go out there with the warriors. Hey, shepherd, I need you to take this pizza to the warriors. You know, what's their, what's their name? Uh, Eli, Eliab, Abinadab, Shema, Nathaniel, uh, Red-Eye, uh, Ozum. I, I want you to take it out there to those regal, royal, powerful, motivational brothers of yours. Take this pizza out there to him. And when he saw Goliath, he's grieved in his spirit, rises to another level. He didn't, he didn't ask for that. And the next thing, he gets this all-access pass. He's in the king's palace. He's backstage. He's everywhere. And, and now Saul, that king, is jealous and wants to kill him. And he's got squads chasing him down and trying to wipe him out. So David is in a doolum, this, this high craggy place in a cave all David had ever done was just be faithful and his faithfulness made him an object of jealousy and rage people are raging against him stabbing him in the back chasing him down trying to wipe him out so the giant killer was just trying to survive another day in a cave Sometimes you can wipe out, I got to say this, man, it's not in my nose, but sometimes you can wipe out the giants in your life only to have, did not David say I was wounded in the house of my, didn't Jesus say I was wounded in the house of my friends? It's gotten awful quiet in this Presbyterian church, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. You can, you can have some amazing victories, and it can tick some people off. And it's really the devil exploiting those nearby to try to stop you from doing what God's called you to do. But the devil is a liar. Hey, don't get a bad attitude towards your brother or your sister, your friend, whoever it might be. Don't get a bad attitude. Pray for them. Love on them. Pray that God opens their eyes. But baby, you're not stopping me because I got a call of God on my life. I answer to a higher power. Brothers and sisters, I've been called. He knows my name. He put this in my spirit. And I'm going there with you or without you. If you can't come on this journey with me, then I will make the journey by myself. But by God, God, I'm going to get where the Lord called me to get. Give him praise right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> I got to hasten here. I love what David did. David, instead of just belly aching about his circumstances, and, and he does a little bit of that. Don't get me wrong. You read those melancholy psalms, he does that. But, but he didn't quit there. Instead, he began to focus his attention on the one that he used to focus on when he was out there in the pastures 
before he ever got the call, before he was ever blessed to the extent that he was blessed, he went back to the beginning, to his roots, to what got his attention in the first place, the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God, the strength and the power of God. And then the fact that he was focused on that back in the beginning is what got God's attention on him. God doesn't look on the outward appearance, but looks at the heart. And so his heart had always been after God. God was David's true north, and his heart was always pointing in that direction, no matter how turned around that he may have gotten. And so he turns to God. Listen to these opening lines again. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Hmm, that's an awesome thought. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. Now, I, I might as well just say, you didn't ask for what you're going through. You didn't seek it out. You were just minding your own business, praying at an altar somewhere, seeking the Lord by yourself and singing the praises of God, being faithful, serving God, doing your best, following every little step that He showed you and yielding yourself, humbling yourself, submitting yourself. And then God started putting that calling uh, and that anointing oil on you and, and filled you with a purpose and a destiny. And then 2020 happened. And then you found yourself isolated, distanced, in a cave, on the run, wasting time, missing opportunities. You should be above ground, fulfilling your destiny, but instead circumstances have put you into a place. You're back on your heels. You can't control it. You're just trying to survive another day. You killed giants, and now you're just trying to stay alive another day. You're just trying to stay in the game another day. Are you with me? Yeah. Isn't this exciting? Yeah. Why don't you get your focus back on what God, God's attention in the first place? Come on now. Your calling is to be above ground, leading out in the open. Uh, it, but, but for the time being, while you're underground, why don't you turn, and I, I love this, why don't you turn your underground into holy ground and fix your attention on the Lord? Not on the ones who are doing you wrong. Not on the, what, what you don't have in your circumstances and what's messed up in your world. But on the one who called you in the first place. I'm looking to you. Merciful one. I'm trusting in you. My refuge. I may be at the very bottom, but I'm looking to the most high God who's above my circumstances and my situation, and I refuse, baby, to cave in this cave. I am not going to cave in this cave. Now, David was a military man, and strategically, he positioned himself in this cave of Adullam. It was in a high place. He had the advantage of the high ground. It reminds me, though, of Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. 
from the end of the earth I will cry to you and when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is higher than I and it's an idiom it's a metaphor for you have been a shelter for me a strong tower from the enemy and I will abide in your tabernacle forever and I will trust in the shelter of your wings come on somebody needs to make that their prayer Lord I'm hiding yes but I'm hiding in you you are my safe place I will hold my head up high my calling is intact my destiny is assured I'm just in a holding pattern right now but I want to bless your name while I'm in this holding pattern come on now let God arise and his enemies be scattered praise is a weapon that discombobulates and confuses the enemy. I said discombobulated in my sermon. Stand with me right now. We got an ant problem around here. We got an ant problem at the house. We get that stupid ant killer from Lowe's and they eat it and <laughs> multiply. Launch more mounds. Valerie finally went to Ace, and she's like, I need something that kills ants. Because I got stuff that kills ants. It's called gasoline. <laughs> but it kills other things, too, and makes Valerie mad. You know, what's that black spot in the yard? Well, it was ants. <laughs> but, but a little, I mean, and there's some pyro. I got to say, there's some thrill in the pyro. You know, you can, you can, if you do it right, you can get a mini explosion. I'm just telling you. <laughs> But ants, they're, they're just weird creatures, you know. The Bible says, considered the ant, thou, thou sluggard, you know. They, they, just, they, just work, they just work all the time. They just never stop. They're just workaholics, and, and they cooperate. They get along. They, they, they work together. They work all these things called theromomes, and they're, they, just, they just kind of follow each other. And, and, when, and, and brothers and sisters, when they get on mission, it's just miserable. I'll never forget years ago, my neighbor killed a deer across the street and I just got to be honest my dad never killed a deer although we went deer hunting one time he accidentally shot a dog that's another story he thought it was a deer it was a big dog and when he realized it was somebody's hunting dog dad was like uh, hey son get in the car we got to get out of here <laughs> that's another story for another day that's really true shot it with a 30-06 and when I walked up to it I saw it just it just fell over, tongue hanging out. And I was a little bitty kid. I said, Dad, it's a dog. <laughs> You'll have to ask my dad about that next time. And my dad, that's when my dad's like, we, we better get in the car. We, we, we got to go. <laughs> that's so true. But my neighbor, my neighbor, he killed a deer. And, uh. And he skinned him in his yard, man. Had him on the swing set back in the day, you know, and skinned him. And and and, and I got this deer leg somehow. I got this deer leg from my neighbor, and uh, I, I was playing like that's so cool, deer fur and the little hoof. And I'm like, that's just it became like a little toy for me. Like, I know this is morbid, but I was a kid, and I was like, this is wow, this is neat. And so I didn't want mom and dad to know that I had this deer leg. So I hid it in my backyard. I had a little fort, and I hid it. 
And I went out the next day to check out my, my toy. And when I went there, it was there. But there was no fur. There was no meat. There was hardly anything left. It was just bone. I mean, it was, it was dry. It was that, and what it was was the ants had gotten after that thing, man. Just cleaned it. It was, it, it was, it was a lesson learned on several levels, but one of them was the, the determination of the ant. The devil is a very organized, that dark kingdom is a very organized kingdom. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, wicked spirits in heavenly places. It's very, very organized. And, and when he gets his sights set on somebody that's got a call of God on, on their life, when he senses that destiny on your life, then he will zero in and he will organize and he will bring literally all of hell against you because you are an agent of change. You are an agent of destruction to him. And he's going to do everything he can to get you off your game. And it may even drive you temporarily into a cave. And it looks like there is no way I can get out of this one. This time. Holy Ghost is talking to somebody. You've been in caves before, but this one just seems extraordinarily deep and extraordinarily dark. I'll never get out of this one. There's no escaping this one. I got a question for you. Have, have the dreams that he put in your heart come to pass yet? Has that destiny fully been realized yet? If not, then it doesn't matter how dark and how deep that cave is. I know a God who is able to deliver. I know a God. All you have to do to mess up the ants, I've learned this, is you can just do that right there. Just, just it, when they're marching in line, just shake them up. You can get your, your little finger. You don't want to do it too long. You don't want to get any ants on your finger. You can just kind of shuffle them around like that. And they, what do they do? They're, they're, like, they're, they're like everywhere. They look stupid. You're like, ah, look, you look so smart. And they don't look so smart. You look stupid. You're going everywhere. And they're just confused and crazed. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, when you begin to praise and worship God in a cave especially, that assignment is broken up. He doesn't know what to do with you. Jesus said that praise steals the avenger. It shuts him up. It shuts him down. There's some people, you've been in a cave, but don't cave in the cave. Put a praise in your mouth and a song on your lips. Hold your head up high and you walk with confidence because God's going to bring you out. Would you just lift your hand all across this building? Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.